I've got a husband's bulge because everyone dies in Cabin in the Woods. This is Spoilers. This is Spoilers. <laughs> Not one laugh for that one, huh? I liked it, actually, very much so. Husband bulge. It's like the most memorable Snicker. line, but it's very good. I was trying to be professional. <laughs> I appreciate that. And that's Brett Kelly. And today we're wrapping up Spooky Spoilers 2017 with... The film, The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, let's let the gang introduce themselves. Uh, go ahead and say who you are, where you're recording from, and uh, if this is like the first time you see it, and if you thought it was a meta film. Uh, Mikey, let's start with you. <laughs> what <are> you? <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Mikey. I'm recording from Elkhart, Indiana, and this is, uh, I've seen this movie before, but uh, it's certainly a meta film, for sure. Josh, what did you think? Josh Long, Elkhart, sort of meta. First time. Something interesting happened in the group thread this week. Uh, <laughs> Josh kind of clapped, but Mikey clapped back much harder. And then Josh sort of left for a while. Uh, it's like Josh was that, really Josh? angry about this. Uh, man, I, I think your definition of a clap is pretty far off. I made a joke that... Me, uh, that, that Mikey didn't know oh, you're, you're meta meant. You're calling it a joke? You're calling <laughs> and, that a joke? <laughs> well, yeah, it was a follow-up to your joke that my taste in movies is suspect at best. <laughs> so, as I joked back, then Mikey went all out and like looked up the definition of meta and really got back at me. I hadn't even seen the movie, so obviously I was just joking. But Oh, I, I was just busy with work, guys. I, uh... I uh, read all the messages and I didn't have much to say. I mean, I wasn't, I, I'm not mad or butthurt as the kids say these days. <laughs> I am. What, what happened? I mean, is there more to it or the clapback was a joke at Josh's geriatric expense. That's pretty much it. But, but Brett, you kind of jumped in there. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, this is Brett. Um, Recording from Fort Wayne, Indiana, the 77th most populous city in the country, with uh, 260,000 people. And who to who? Prepping for trivia. Great. Yeah, sorry, just giving you guys some little hints. Um, I, I guess it's meta. That word never really made much sense to me. So is that like something deeper? Is that what it's supposed to mean? Mikey, do you want to tell Brett what meta means? Please, please, Mikey. <laughs> Uh, it's just like a body of work, just self-referencing the genre or something. Ah. So this movie mm. made a lot of references to other horror movies and uh, scary movie tropes and tropes. stuff like that. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Thank you, Mikey. Isn't meta not? usually more like an adaptation, though, where it actually referenced itself? Or are those just different levels of meta? Well, let's, let's jump into specific examples when we get into the content. But he's been waiting patiently. Hey, you brought all the least. you brought all this up, Pappy. <laughs> you, you Stevie, Pappy, Stevie, did what's it. up? Pappy, did it. Uh, this is Stevie from uh, Elkhart, Indiana, and uh, this film is super meta. And um, Mikey's clapback at Josh was hilarious because he made fun of his age again. I think that's why Josh got really mad. Now nah, we don't care about that stuff, man. Dude, and how did he mention my age? I don't even remember that part. He called you old man. (laughs) (laughs) And then you left the group. Speaking of getting old. Josh left the group. (laughs) Goddamn. 
<laughs> I think before we dive into the cabin in the woods, we, we touched on the fact that's a little bit meta and to find that term, but the general premise of this film is it's sort of a, a commentary of horror films at the time. So, and I, I don't want to step through scene by scene, but I do want to talk about the very opening scene because I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. And uh, I think two heroes of this movie were uh, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, who played Citizen and Hadley. Uh, what'd you guys think about uh, sort of their performance? And does, does anyone want to go through that opening scene? Josh, maybe? Nah. Come on, Josh. It's okay, Josh. You're in a safe space. Nah, I'll pass it on. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods, divisive. Josh, what did you think about Cabin in the Woods? Maybe we should start there. I'm only mad because people are using the term clap. Back? Oh my god, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's utterly this ridiculous. Amazing. This is behavior beholden to an intern, Josh. Listen right here, now. old man. You brought this on yourself. You started talking about a movie you knew nothing about, and I called Liter- you out on Literally. It. And then you left everyone. I did not leave the group. You did leave the group. I You did what? leave the group. You did. Did it ever say Josh left the group, except when Stevie typed it? I didn't type that. That was Mikey. Well, whatever. I never left the group. I was... <sighs> I think I think the best way to move on is to move forward. Mikey, do you want to talk about the opening scene while Josh cools down a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the opening scene, we meet all of the characters, like, right off the bat. Uh, there's the redhead... The inquisitive, shy redhead trope who uh, is wearing no pants for some reason and she's talking to her now newly newly dyed-haired blonde friend who is now an idiot because we'll get into that later, but I guess the after dyeing her hair, it makes her dumber Ugh, for some reason. That's fuckwad. Why haven't you stuck that asshole's picture on the dartboard yet? It's not that simple. Oh my god, your hair, it's blonde. Very fabulous, no? I can't believe you did it. But very fabulous, right? Hurry up with the very fabulous. I'm getting insecure oh, about it now. Oh god, no, no, it looks awesome. Kurt's gonna lose it. Oh, Kurt's gonna thank me. And so will you, while we are burning this picture. Oh, I'm not ready. Seriously, this isn't his fault. What's not his fault? Fucking his student or breaking up with her by email? And, uh, yeah, we just meet all of the characters and they all kind of fall into into their own scary movie trope type roles we meet the stoner we meet the uh dumb athletic jock played by chris hemsworth what trope wait did the opening not happen underground yes that yeah that's oh oh. they name exactly yeah yeah, they name exactly who all five are it's the whore the athlete the scholar the fool and the virgin and they're all introduced at the beginning but the very first <clears throat> right with with richard jenkins yeah. so the very yeah. first scene in the movie takes place underground brett do you do you uh remember kind of what happens there it's hormonal i mean i don't usually fall back on you know it's it's women's issues but, but childproof towel when he gates and stuff dude she did the drawers we don't even know if this whole fertility thing's gonna work she screwed in these little jobbies where he can't even open the drawers at all 
No, they open, you know, like an inch, then you gotta dig your finger in. I mean, it's a nightmare. I guess sooner or later. Yeah, well, a lot later. She did the upper cabinets. It'll be 30 before he can reach him, assuming, you know, we have a kid. Well, yeah, I mean, I actually read that um, it's either Joss Whedon or the other guy purposely put that scene in there because he wanted people to think that they walked into the wrong movie. But, I mean, it's classic Bradley Whitford. I don't know if you guys know a lot about him, but I... West Wing. Pretty, Billy Madison. Pretty much love him and everything. West Wing, Billy Madison, yeah. Walk and talk. Yeah, that's what they had going on, too. Walk yeah, and talk. Richard Jenkins is a classic kind of second man type character. He's pretty the much The dad from uh, Step Brothers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're... I mean, it's definitely out of context. You have no idea what's going on. Now they're talking about bets and the Japanese and child. You know. Well, no, they're, they're talking about childproofing cabinets. I think at this very. First oh yeah, part yeah, too. yeah. And it's he's like, talking about yeah, not. It's getting a woman's pregnant. issue or something. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like out of nowhere, just like the cabin in the woods pops up. But what Mikey was talking about was right from there we go into meet like the gang. So we mentioned Dana who is, she ends up being the virgin character. Uh, Kurt is played by Chris Hemsworth. Okay, seriously, Professor Bennett, he covers this whole book and his lectures. You should read this. Gorofsky, now this is way more interesting. Also, Bennett doesn't know it by heart, so he'll think you're insightful. <laughs> and you have no pants. Oh! Steve, there's some pretty interesting things about his role in this movie, and like, Sort of the history of this movie. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, like how Chris Hemsworth was a nobody when he shot this film? Yeah, this is before he was even cast as Thor, right? Yeah, this movie was essentially made and everything in 2009, and it got shelved. Because I think, what, Paramount was going under? MGM. MGM. MGM, okay, MGM was going under, and they shelved it. And as, like, time was uh, ticking on of this movie not being released, uh, Chris Hemsworth was becoming a big star. So like I saw this movie opening day in theaters. I yes, in my senior year of college, and uh, you're just kind of amazed. Like, why is he in this movie? Like, he's like a big leading man right now. Why did he decide to do this movie? And uh, it's ultimately just because this movie got shelved for three years. This was he was already Thor, and then yeah, he was already Thor when this movie came out. Yeah, yeah this is like in the, yeah, this is in yeah, theaters right the same time as Thor actually, like for a little and, bit at some and point. Red Red Dawn too, I believe. Oh, that movie's terrible. Yeah, he did both those movies in 2009, I think. And uh, they got both got shelved because uh, MGM went down. This is the glory years of Hemsworth. This is prime Chris Hemsworth. But Josh, of the remaining characters, was any of that stuck out to you when they got introduced? Yeah, the character played by uh, Franz. Uh, what's his last name? Uh, the Fool. Uh, <laughs> in this iteration. Kranz? Marty? Franz Kranz. <laughs> In this iteration of this horror that has apparently been taking place over the millennia, um, the fool is not a drunkard, but a like modern day stoner. He he's basically Shaggy from Scooby Doo, and he's by exactly. far the funniest character. I mean, I thought Chris Hemsworth was very entertaining and great in this movie, but Fran Kranz what cracked me up many times. Oh my god. In the backseat, screaming out loud. In the backseat, screaming out. Morning. What is wrong with you, bro? 
People in this town drive in a very counterintuitive manner. That's what I have to say. Uh, do you want to spend the weekend in jail? Because we'd all like to check out my cousin's country home. Marty, honey, that's not okay. Statistical fact. Cops will never pull over a man with a huge bong in his car. Why? They fear this man. They know he sees farther than they. And he will bind them with ancient logics. Have you gone gray? You're not bringing that thing in the Rambler. Good. A giant bong in your father's van? What are you, stone? I like his little introduction too. He he whips out a well. He, he rolls up in his car, and they're like, "What the? What are you doing? Like, you can't have this giant bong in your car." And he says something ridiculous, like people drive very counterintuitively in the city. But then the bong transforms into a travel mug, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that was a real prop that they built. And it cost five thousand dollars to build. <laughs> yeah, it was a what? Yeah, it was a prototype, like a working one. It actually worked. Well, it also had to be used as like a hammer to punch monsters with. Mm-hmm. And another one of those like IMDb facts, like I, like it's kind of spread around on the internet. But like apparently he had some sort of like two day weed training course. Like he did, quote unquote, he didn't know how to smoke weed, so they, like they had brought in bong consultants and like taught him how to roll joints and all this stuff so he'd be a believable <laughs> stunner. He's a good actor then. He seemed like a pro. And his comedic timing is just great throughout the yeah, whole he was, movie. Yeah, he was really good in that movie. I have a couple lines of his written down here. The two that I thought were the funniest were when they're downstairs and they had just got done playing Truth or Dare. He he's like to his last wits trying to get everyone to leave and he's he's the only one like not playing right into like the hands of the puppeteers but he goes i dare you guys to go upstairs <laughs> i don't know why but it cracked me up <laughs> and then later he's he keeps hearing voices on the wind again from the puppeteers and they're trying to get him to go outside so the voice is like go for a walk and he goes <laughs> i hear what you're saying but my brain i'm i'm the boss of my own brain i'm gonna go for a walk <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love it when they have the book and he's like, read it out loud. He's like, what the fuck? (laughs) And spoiler alert, apparently it's the weed that's making him immune to the chemicals that are affecting the other ones. (laughs) Which is why he sees through like everything. He's like breaking the fourth wall, basically the whole movie. Nemo, man, you gotta wake up. Your shit is topsy-turvy. Okay, I swear to fucking God, somebody is talking. I'm pretty sure someone is. I'm gonna go for a walk. No! What are you saying? Huh? What do you want? You think I'm a puppet, huh? You think I'm a puppet gonna do a little fucking puppet dance? I'm the boss of my own brain, so give it up. I'm gonna go for a walk. So we have two characters left to introduce. We have uh, Jules, who was the the whore who Mikey mentioned, and she actually, in this opening scene, has dyed her hair blonde, which apparently was part of the conversion process. And then uh, Holden, 
this movie doesn't have a lot of weak parts, but I thought his character was super underdeveloped, and he's he's the uh, scholar, right? Yep. And he notes yeah. on him. Yeah. You'd, but yeah, he also has think... he also has great hands. That scene was basically right of Van Wilder, where Chris Hemsworth <laughs> throws the football out the window. Jeez. When he throws the football out the window, and Holden's just there to like randomly catch it. It's not it's not quite that good, but yeah, it was good. <laughs> Well, that's the other note I have, too, is that in this opening scene, they're not quite the uh, horror tropes yet fully realized. Like, we learn that uh, Dana isn't really a virgin because she, like, fucked her professor. Kurt is, like, actually this really smart, like, guy who, like, like, pulls some random physics book off her shelf. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the one you should be reading, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Like so, like they're, they're slowly transformed into these roles throughout the movie. But and again, the Marty Stoner character has a time when he like notices that, and he's like, "This yeah. is not how Kurt normally is." Like he that was never... like maybe like a twenty thirty second scene that might not stand out to anybody, but I like freaking love that scene where he like call. Well, I don't want to like get into it ahead of it, but oh, get he calls it. out. He calls Go out that Dane is acting. Like, yeah, she's a little slutty, but she's not like that at all. And that uh, Kurt, he's like, he's a sociology major, for Christ's sake. When is he? He's like, I don't know. I just believe, thought that was really good writing. He's on full ride scholarship for academics. Loved that little mini part. And that's kind of like what Josh has been talking about. Fran or whatever. I can't remember his name in the movie, but. Marty. Marty. He's he's figuring all this stuff out. And I just thought that was really cool, like understated cool. I don't want to. I mean, I've never. I don't mean never. Hey. Nothing you don't want. He's got a husband bulge. Well, Josh, you're talking about like some of your favorite lines from Marty, and like those come for me in like this next scene where we meet the Harbing Harbinger, the Mordecai. <laughs> uh, Stevie, do you want to describe that scene a little bit? <laughs> because, especially because you picked Je- uh, Jeepers Creepers last year for our last uh, spoilers, and that that is a classic Harbinger trope. <laughs> yeah, this guy's like he's pretty much laying out like the events to come. He's at like this um, very tropey, like out in the neck of the woods, abandoned gas station where there's nothing to buy inside, and the gas doesn't work. And um, he's like this crazy wide-eyed redneck <laughs> talking. And can we talk about the? Uh, when he's oh on man, that was like wait, say, I was dying. Say, yeah, save that for like just one second because there's like there's so many great lines here. Like so he comes out and he's like, I've been here since the war. So, <laughs> oh yeah, and Marty's which one? Like, which yeah. war is that? Exactly? You know damn no. well which war. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! It's actually the blonde that said which war. Oh yeah, Because then, because yeah. then Marty had to come to her defense, which was like interesting. Like you can tell they're actually true friends, I guess, from that scene too. Well, I've been here since the war. Which war? You know damn well which war. Would that have been with the blue and some in gray? Brother, perhaps fighting against brother in that war. You sassing me, boy. But then the whole time too is like Marty's just like shitting on the gas pumps, saying stuff like, "I think this is barter <laughs> gas" <laughs> or something. <laughs> something like that. Like so many good lines. But yeah, so like we we do get a scene little a little bit later on. We'll, we'll skip them arriving at the cabin to talk about 
uh, Mordecai calls uh, the command center. <laughs> Someone want to describe that scene? He's pretty much. I don't know. I I honest, I'm terrible at rem- remembering lines, but he's pretty much talking in like coded crazy speak to uh, um, our two main characters down below, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, where he's like, the sheeps have arrived <laughs> to slaughter. The ancient ones will be thrilled. And this is that. The and the other. And he kind of catches himself halfway through where he's like, am I on speakerphone? And he's like, oh, yeah, let me just take you off there. And they keep him on. And the whole time he's speaking crazy, Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins are just losing it. <laughs> Which is actually really—it's just funny because you go you go from like a really tense moment where um, they're at the gas station to this, and I just think kind of like tonally this movie's hilarious. I have a little bit of problem with that story thread though because unless I miss something, that never comes back into play. And it was like classic storytelling where they introduce him, he kind of touches back in, and he could have been. But he predicted the ending. He predicted the ending, and they explained that he's necessary because he, uh, yeah. what's his name? But why uh, doesn't he show up again? Because Citizen says something to the effect of, like, why is the Harbinger just, like, hanging out there? It's because he has to. It's, like, part of the, I mean, if you I mean, if you want to, like, get, like, into this discussion, it's, like, it's part of the story. Like, there's always that character, and, like, it's because the old gods demand that there's always that character. Someone says at some point, like, that was, like, their first choice. They could have left from there and not gone to the cabin or just ignored the Harbinger and kept going. They have to be punished for their mistakes. (laughs) And not listening to him is one of the punishments. I thought he was going to show up and, um, like, try to kill them himself, but end up being, like, the sacrifice so that they're able to live... Uh, that was my like theory going into like the ending and it didn't happen and i was curious why i mean it makes sense what you guys are saying but uh, i had like nine different theories and i told Brittany every single one and every single one of them was wrong so <laughs> <laughs> did any of them involve involve this mordecai harbringer no i i was really close with my very first theory though and i changed my mind i i said well the redhead and the stoner are the ones that are going to be alive and then we both looked at each other we're like no it'll be the redhead in uh, uh, Holden. I should have stuck with that first one. Do you have any theories around seeing bags in a one-way mirror? I th- my theory was that's the coolest room ever. I don't know than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, so that's like sort of like the the control center plot. Like in the meantime, that the kids have like arrived at the cabin and they find that there's like this one-way mirror, so it's kind of creepy. There's a creepy. Slender Man painting that they take down. Um, and then in this next part, too, there's a lot of references to another movie that we spoiled during 2017's Spooky Spoilers run, um, The Evil Dead. Uh, did anyone catch any of those sort of in this next little uh, part? Like the hatch that just mysteriously yeah, flew exactly. open. Yeah. The house is pretty much exactly the same setup, too. Except the lighting looked adequate and professional (laughs) (laughs) a little bit yeah um reading from a book is definitely like the big one exactly and so that how comes that how that comes to be is that they go down into the basement and um there are all of these props which apparently all of the props that you see in the basement actually correlate to a monster that 
shows up later in the movie, but uh, picking this prop determines what monster will come to haunt them. Is that how you guys interpret yes. it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my question here is that Hadley wanted the merman the whole time. Like, he's always rooting for the merman for some reason. But I thought they said that that, like, thing that he is twisting would release the merman, but then they showed that guy and he had, like, gears in his head. No, he said he had that shell in his hand. Oh, it's a shell. Yeah. He oh. had the conch in his hand. And he, sense it, and he sets it down. Got it. Oh, man, I'm sorry. He had the conch in his hand. Well, you know, in a couple more minutes, who knows what might have happened. I, I am never going to see a merman. Ever. Dude, be thankful. Those things are terrifying. The cleanup on them is a nightmare. So, but this scene is sort of like mashed up a little bit. This is where we get more of a back and forth because we also see that the uh, control center are betting on <laughs> which uh, which horror the kids will pick. Uh, they have this giant board and they're going around. And they're like taking a bunch of money from everybody. Um, did anybody pick up any references on that board as well? I found like maybe the most obscure one. Go ahead. Uh, it was the one at the very end. I think it was Kyle or it was just a single name and it's supposed to be a reference to Sin City, uh, Elijah Wood's character. Oh, really? Yeah, I, that's what I read. And, we uh, have werewolf, alien beast, mutants, race, zombies, uh, ang- Angry, molesting tree from the evil clowns, dead. Clowns, witches, <laughs> uh, sexy witches is one of them. Uh, let's see, Hell Lord. Yeah, angry molesting tree like Pap said. Kevin. Kevin, there we uh, go. The mummy, the bride. So I wonder if Kevin uh, appears in one of those like blocks. I, actually, I think I read that he was not seen. So, but that so was, that'd be a lot of money to get a li- to get yeah. Elijah Wood for five seconds. Well, just like a little CGI yeah. version in the corner. I was thinking. Wait, what is what is Elijah Wood in Sin City? He's, huh? he's an awesome, creepy character that eats people. Eats people. He's the dude that like is in the dark, and you just see his eyes most of the time. He's like hopping around, slashing and scratching people, killing women, uh, killing women. Him and, and the he priest, throws like, the one ring into Mordor. I've never seen. Yeah, that, well, yeah, no. Has that one scene yeah, where that lady goes? He made me watch. Oh, it's the classic. <laughs> <laughs> we we love that in college. Back in the old days. Old days, yeah. <laughs> Way back. <laughs> Sugar Plum Fairies, one of them. When you just throw them into volcanoes. But yeah, so there's nice. all those. And then like one of my favorite bits of the whole movie too are the character is the character of the intern. Uh, I don't have the intern's name in front of me actually, but Old Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. Joss Whedon loves loves his people. Yeah, um just he had a bunch of people from his shows. I don't know. Not a bunch, but uh Amy Acker was from Angel and that's all I can think of right now, except for <laughs> the intern. Who's the intern? Yeah, who is he in Buffy? I've never seen Buffy, so. Me neither. <laughs> my brother, my brother and I did not watch seven episodes, uh, seven seasons of Buffy, and five seasons of Angel in a month and a half. We did not do that in college. It's <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of. No, I actually I love Joss Whedon, so yeah, we definitely did that. We're we were. Jassophobes or whatever you want to call him. So who is? <laughs> is that, I'm, trying to find, I'm sorry. I'm trying to stall so I can find his name. Tom Link. Okay. Ronald the intern. 
What does he do in the movie? I have no recollection. He he votes on the. He's the one that gets with uh, whoever always wins, and he picked the. What are they called? Oh, he has to split it with like maintenance yeah. or whatever. Maintenance. Maintenance. We have a winner. It's the Buckners, ladies and gentlemen. The Buckners pull the W. All right, that means that congratulations go to maintenance. Who share the pot with Ronald the intern. That's not fair, I had zombies too. Yes, you did, yes, you had zombies. But this is zombie redneck torture family, see? They're entirely separate species. It's like the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. There's always next year. But then, yeah, I think, like in that scene too, it's like maintenance wins, and like a bunch of people go yay, and also the intern he goes yay, <laughs> jumps up by himself. <laughs> but so I mean, pretty much. So this is like about the thirty thirty five minute mark of the movie. So we, like we've got everything set up, and we and we finally get uh, our first bags and our first uh, kill. Bags. Exactly. So. I think I already know that the Instagram gif for this episode will be the control room waiting for the bags and ch- being disappointed <laughs> when they don't show up. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Josh, do you want to kind of like talk about, I guess, what happens first in the cabin where they're all like really messed up on the, f- the hormones and they're playing truth or dare and things get a little bit weird? Yeah, and we mentioned that after the truth or dare, they go downstairs and they're introduced to this room full of horrors that they get to choose from. Stoner guys oh, yeah. beg- begging them to leave. And what what part do you actually want me to specifically talk about? Well, I was going to say like more of like the wolf makeout scene because I think that's after they read from the the book of the dead. But they do read some some Latin and yeah. some in the. And then the, the angry family torture porn zombies or whatever. So if you go behind the scenes, they read that and they know like the guys at control zero, they know that and they like send the zombies elevator up and they start rising. And so like while the zombies are slowly encroaching upon the house, uh, the, the main characters do the typical like cabin in the woods thing. They start playing like, some raunchy game this this is kind of reminiscent of evil dead isn't it where they're all kind of like hanging out and yeah talking about random stuff trying to have like character development before like shit really hits the fan i feel like this scene is and in that scene ann hutchison makes out with a wolf and i think you're supposed to think that her face is gonna get bit off the whole time was anybody was anybody else like wincing during that whole scene when i saw it in theaters i first did uh, Truth or Dare was before the trap door opened, though. I know Mikey and I are furries, so we were both really turned on by that. <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry, I went that, back in time. Make that three. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought they were kind of doing a little trick. I thought at some point the wolf's mouth was moving a little bit, or she was just like batting the tongue around or something with her mouth, Ew. but it looked like the mouth was kind of moving on its own for a little bit there. So yeah, you would think that this this wolf head is going to bite her face off, but it gets weird because she's like getting super into it and everybody's just staring at her and everybody else is getting kind of into it too. And I feel like Stevie watching this a second time knowing that she wouldn't get bitten was really just enjoying herself too. 
just really relaxed. I wouldn't say like in a Salma Hayek type way, but just <laughs> more comforted. Like it's more comforting to know that she's not gonna get her face bit off. Yeah, okay, my turn. Jules. <laughs> Truth or dare? Let's go dare. All right. <laughs> I dare you to make out with that moose over there. Um, Marty, have you ever seen a moose before? Whatever that mysterious beast is. That's, That's clearly a wolf. I'm living in a womb of reaper, leave me alone. <laughs> Jules, I dare you to make out with that wolf. No problem. <laughs> well, in this state of heightened libido, then... Jules and Thor run out into the woods. Uh, we finally get to see some bags. Maybe we can post those on the Instagram as well. But this is when the first kill finally happens. It's the zombie family. And he's, he's wheeling this weird, like, bear trap on a chain. That's exactly what it is, which is I, I wrote down was a really formidable weapon if you know how to use it. <laughs> this is a pretty violent sequence, actually. Oh, yeah. This really gets into it. I mean... People get stabbed, and, like, that bear claw thing can, like, trap and clamp, but it can also just, like, I guess it just has hooks that multiple times grabs people and drags them. Jules gets her head cut off. With, a, yeah. like, a rusty saw, yeah. Yeah. Can, Very- can, I, inter- can I interject something real quick? Please. Okay, I think, I think we've passed it since we're I passed it on my notes, but... The first time they show the Japanese classroom, oh, that was like crazy. That did anybody else find that like? Am I the only one that had never seen this movie? Well, that's a dire- direct reference to Ring, uh, mm-hmm. Ringo Star or whatever the Japanese Ringu, one. Ringu, I think. Ring, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I yeah, I definitely haven't seen the Ring. Brett, that's that was the, a- this is the first time I've seen this and. It was kind of scary, but honestly, anything that happened in the white room, the control room, automatically was not scary to me. So I, it didn't freak me out. Okay. I don't like horror movies at all, though, so maybe that's what it was. But you can get back to uh, your wolf claw, bear claw thing, whatever you were talking about. No, that was a good setup because this scene leads into what I think is the funniest part of the movie. But just to, for the interest of time, then also the stoner guy gets quote-unquote killed off here uh he's hearing voices while he reads a little nemo book in his room um (laughs) he drops another uh husband bulge joke as he walks out the door to go for a walk and then he gets uh killed off screen uh but not before he puts up a a valiant effort with his bong (laughs) mug (laughs) hey pappy can i actually i did a horrible job of setting that up because i have a couple things in my notes like when chris hemsworth and uh his lady friend run off into the woods this has some of my favorite (sighs) meta parts actually and they kind of like explain a couple horror cliches and breaking apart like splitting up yeah, the splitting up. Also, when they like shock the knife so that she drops it, um, <laughs> I th- I thought that that was like like <laughs> oftentimes the hero hero and like 
will just drop a very valuable weapon for no reason as they like run off. And then also like the pheromones in the woods. It's so dark. Take me inside. Come on, this is why we came here. It's romantic. They were totally not gonna have sex like nine times. And they kept like pushing them further and further. At one point they even like turn on a romantic light. Yeah. This like the moon through the leaves or something. Okay, baby, let's see some boobies. Show us the goods. And this is all like in parallel with the crew back in the control center, like cheering for the boobs, like hoping for nudity. But like when the actual kill goes down, that you mentioned that it's always like comedy in the control center. I would agree with that, except for when that first kill goes down, they kind of have this weird reverence. Like they say a prayer, they kiss this weird like pentagram necklace thing. It's a little yeah. bit more creepy. Yeah, well, spoiler, this is all happening for a much bigger purpose. These kids are getting sacrificed to save the world, ultimately. So, I think this first kill, they're upset about it, but ultimately it's to serve a bigger purpose, which we find out later on. So, yeah, uh, then we get another... I, do we get another kill here? Yeah, so they... Uh, no. Well, you're supposed to think that Thor yeah. gets killed, but... They they fall into the black room, which was, like, teased earlier. Uh, and then they escape to the RV, which has a bloody handprint on it. But but what I wanted to touch on um, is this next scene in the control room, which is my favorite part of the movie. Uh, <laughs> so they cut to Japan. And they see that... Uh-huh. The, and they see that, the, like, <laughs> that sacrifice is failing. And like all of the little girls, like hand in hand, singing like some like Japanese song. And we defeat the, <laughs> the the evil spirit is getting sucked down into a pond, and then it's like now this evil spirit will live happily in this frog for all of its days. And then it cuts back to the control center, and it's like, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you!" <laughs> these little girls. I think that's probably the best joke of the whole movie. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! The the one bad part about that joke I thought was that they went really fast from everyone betting on it, having like a grand old time, and it's like a huge joke and rooting for bags and all of a sudden they're like super freaked out and i just thought that development happened a little bit too quickly i wish there would have been like another step in there before he's just like freaking out on these little asian innocent girls it's just bradley Whitford and richard jenkins haven't been taking it serious at all because they know that they're like the last fallback and this is funny because japan has this perfect record of never like they just have a perfect record. They've got it done every year. And like I think it's once they realize that they're the last line of defense and they haven't been taking it seriously at all, it just freaks them out. 
And, and this is a good chance too to like, as I understand the lore, I, I think that there's several different <laughs> sacrifice points in several different countries, and all of them have different criteria to satisfy the old gods. And if only one of them has to do it, but if none of them do it, then that's when shit hits the fan. Is that what you guys sort of understood? Like, it's yeah. not the same yeah. criteria. It's actually going to be like sort of a riff on what the horror of that culture was, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this movie gets at, is that this is like, this story in Western culture has just like always been there. And who knows who told it first, but there's like all these key points that have to be hit. And it's, it's almost like you can hear the writers in the writer's room like, why is it we have to do this? And someone's like, because we have to please the ancients. And they're like, yeah, let's run with that. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So then I, I think we can kind of like jump ahead a little bit here in the movies. So then like uh, Thor dies because they reach the end of the <laughs> each end of the road. There's a slight like scene with a malfunction with the tunnel uh collapsing but the tunnel does collapse and then thor tries to like jump the gap uh were you guys surprised by this did, did it take away the fact that you saw earlier with the eagle flying into it at all when thor dies i thought it was pretty comedic when it happens i actually kind of i actually said to Brittany, i go i wonder if he's gonna make it and go down and get killed by that mordecai guy and Brittany goes i think he's gonna uh f- fly into that thing and i was like <laughs> oh yeah that's what's gonna happen uh Real quick, second of all, Josh and I have a mutual friend who thought that was, like, the funniest thing in the world, and he thought it was really well done, and it, like, cracked him up when he hit the wall, so. (laughs) That shot, that shot where Hemsworth is, like, flying through the air on the dirt bike is really funny looking. (laughs) I think it pays off pretty well because the setup to it is, like, the scholar guy is, like, all right, you got about five feet, five foot differential on both sides, like, taking it super seriously, (laughs) and Chris... Chris Hemsworth is having a serious moment with uh, Jules because his girlfriend was just murdered. So, and then the setup of him flying over that ravine and just smashing into that barrier is hilarious. Uh, apparently, that scene where he's giving the orders of what to do either got him the Thor role or made Lionsgate purchase this movie. Like, they saw that little daily of him doing that. And they were blown away by it. And that's when his career kind of took off. That's what I read. So I don't know if that's true or not. It's such a great clip. But then, like, not a lot of screen time passes until we get when the uh, scholar is killed off. Uh, It's kind of... This is, like, one of the main jump scares for me. Even, like, on my second rewatch, where I knew kind of about when he was going to die. Like, it still, like, got me a little bit. He just gets stabbed through the throat. Where he's like, whatever you do, don't freak out. And then... The RV veers off into the water, and then we cut back to the uh, party that's going on uh, in the court, the headquarters because they've killed off all the necessary people. What song is um, playing? Roll with the changes by RSPA. It's a freaking <laughs> jam. Let's rock out to it right now. Oh, 
great song. That's beautiful. I saw them in concert, actually. But the Elkhart Geriatric Croc at the Elkhart County Fair, uh, in Columbus, Indiana. But uh, during that time when that song's rolling, uh, Donna is just getting fucked up by the. (laughs) (laughs) And no one's paying attention at all. Yeah. As soon as you are rainbow, it's just getting like thrown around like a professional, like a wrestling (laughs) ring. But uh, this is when they find out that not all has gone according to plan actually and that the and that marty is still alive um he shows up again with his coffee bong weapon thing and defeats <laughs> the zombie with it once again um and they go down to the graves uh anything i'm missing on this little uh, Real quick, battle um, here? yeah actually i read something did anybody else uh, i guess there's like kind of like an ultimate foreshadowing moment when the marty dies air quotes the first time and then uh they drop the blood into the thing you know what i'm talking about and there's like a little earthquake glitch thing i read that that's supposed to be like foreshadowing that the gods know that it didn't go right and everyone's like what was that yeah i do remember the earthquake and i thought it was weird because it was the first time that you maybe i thought it was weird because it's the first time you realize that like the cabin in the woods and that control room are in proximity to each other. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I actually, you know, I don't think I picked up on that. I didn't realize it until they went in the elevator. So that's, yeah, definitely some, not something that I noticed. But I think it does make sense because that is established as the scene of the crime multiple times. Like that property has been exchanged several times. Like it's the same Harbinger. So I think the bunker would actually be right underneath it in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I think the the part with Marty though leads to maybe one of the only major plot holes I can think of in the movie. Um, and I didn't get this originally; I read it, so I could be wrong. But they are monitoring every single one of those people's vitals. How did they not notice that Marty was not dead? Ooh, good point. Yeah, no, good no, point. no, no. It's explained by uh, his super weed powers. Yeah, but that wouldn't that wouldn't make his <laughs> that wouldn't make his heart. I don't know. That, that's actually what I said to Brittany as well. I said maybe that was. I do have maybe an explanation. That's what it was, but go ahead. He okay, so he finds the wire, and that's also another really funny line for him, where they cut to like a super mm-hmm. like fish fish eye angle of him, and he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like my parents are gonna think I'm such a burnout. <laughs> and the next time you see him after he dies, he's like been doing all this mechanical work in the wiring so i think it's safe to say that once he found out that they were bugged he probably checked himself and would have removed any monitoring well not to mention like the continuity the continuity here is just so egregious like it can't be on accident like he gets fucking stabbed in the back in the also there are, there are no there are no stab wounds on his uh shirt yeah. later i don't know if he knows that it's definitely just more of like a statement on if you don't die on screen, you don't die. Then anything else ah, is just so yeah. ridiculous, mm-hmm. I think. Well, I think the blood spurt could be explained like he just got the upper hand and killed that thing. I, I mean, they. I agree with you, Pappy, but I think that they were also clever in it and that it wasn't like super cheesy and like accomplishing both things at the same time. I mean, one way or another, he discovers the 
graves are the elevator shaft and this leads to one of like one of the best sequences i think in the whole movie where you're in the sort of charlie and the chocolate factory great glass <laughs> elevator but you're moving around it up ways down ways sideways exactly and you're moving around this like sort of creepy scene where you're seeing werewolf the guillermo creepy girl hell hellraiser yeah, and the eight, and the eight foot tarantula. Yeah, that was my favorite part. For some reason, starting at this scene, I didn't have like any more of like the creepy feeling that I had in like the first two thirds of the movie. Did anybody else catch that? Like, it almost becomes a like a spoof movie at this point, and it's wildly yes. entertaining, but it's like not scary at all after that. I don't think it was intended to be scary. Like this movie in general, I disagree. Why? There's graphic violence and jump scares, and even though they like make fun of the tropes, they actually like use them really well. Well, yeah, like Scream is all like a spoof and all about tropes, but that's still kind of a creepy movie. Wow. Gotcha. I mean, d- you don't think this movie is scary at all, ever? No, not at all. I think all. there's a huh. line that that's drawn, especially on your first time watching, where the characters who are playing the part of the horror characters are like actually committing to those bits. But like once you know, the whole thing's kind of a goof. Uh, I don't know. Like on my rewatch, I wasn't even a little bit scared. I, I had a couple of jump scares, like I said, but Mikey w- jump in here. What'd you think? Uh, I, I mean, I've also seen the movie previously. So I think, some of the scariest parts were probably how the nerd dies in the van. That was kind of a big jump scare. And I think also like the title sequence popping up on screen is another jump scare. Cause it's like they, as soon as it shows up on screen, there's also like a loud scream or something at the same time. But yeah, I don't think this movie is all that scary because I went into it already knowing the plot of it, so I don't know. I guess if it was my first time watching it, I guess I would be more slightly scared, I guess. And the title going into this movie doesn't allude to the fact that it's necessarily going to be like a subversive like parody film. It just sounds, it honestly just sounds like a horror film. And yeah, like C- Cabin Fever 2 or something like that. And Josh I, I did. This was Cabin Josh Fever. thought yeah. it was. Yeah, Cabin I did. For the longest time. I thought. I thought we agreed to forget that. <laughs> no, no, that, that's totally fine because if you go back and look at the, like the actual trailers that were released, it's it's been like the same sort of problems we've had with some movies we saw this year, like a ghost story or uh, it comes at night or any of those other like sort of different takes on horror i think you guys are missing something huge here and that yeah there are jump scares and maybe because your second time watching it um you foresee what's coming but like also i do i really feel like the characters are pretty well written and their motivations are like clear and relatable so like i really was that scene is like so funny because you really are rooting for quote the virgin character when she's like getting beat up on the pier (laughs) because like you've gotten to know her so well and she is like a sweet girl so i thought (sighs) i really thought there are some creepy elements of this film outside of the jump scares i think there is 
Yeah, I think there is an element of conflict, though, because you're also kind of rooting for the people who are trying to save all of humanity. And that's, like, played out really well, I think, when the uh, M- Marty and... Uh, Dana, Dana are in yeah are in the, like the elevator scene and they they hop in the control room and they hit this button that says like the purge and I flip the switch. <laughs> um, this is one of the strongest scenes of the whole movie because you have the SWAT team running in and then all of these like monsters jump out. Uh, are there any monsters that like stood out for you guys? And that what's one of the best scenes of the whole movie? Uh, actually, the giant snake. <laughs> giant snake i think there was scorpion with a chainsaw on the back of it yeah i didn't i missed it the first time i watched the next like eight minutes with my shirt over my face oh brett why because as i mentioned earlier right next to them is this humongous spider oh come on i kept what i can't get over my phobia i I don't want to watch it so i I, don't get me wrong i went back and rewatched it Brittany swore to me (laughs) Brittany swore to me that the the spider was not on it, so I went back and rewatched it. Now it was a really awesome scene. I loved that scene. So, well, for me, my favorite reference was the uh, unicorn from Legend. Harp- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Harpooning a guy, Stevie. Did you have a favorite reference? Speaking of Legend, uh, I love the unicorn kill just because it was so out of nowhere. Um. During that sequence, uh, did you you guys ever seen the movie Strangers? Where this husband and wife go to this cabin out in the middle of the woods. Yeah, that's creepy. I haven't seen it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, those doll faces from Strangers were in this, and during the scene where you're going looking at like all like the television screens, tying them up. They're like doing the they're tying them up and stab like lighting them on fire and stabbing them, much like they did in that movie. Um, the merman kill was awesome. There's an it clown. Oh gosh! Yeah, the it clown. Uh, but uh, just in general, like I loved it when the, like the the SWAT like for like SWAT team was like in the middle of the elevators, and they just hear the monsters coming, and one of, one of the guys just goes, "Oh shit!" and just all hell breaks loose. Oh Uh, that was just a lot of fun yeah. to watch, especially with all the gore. And it was, I mean, it was a ton of blood, but it was also comedic in a way. Because you see the face like, hugger, all from these Alien. things that possibly, yeah. yeah, that that possibly could have been let loose on these kids, and you see them like let loose on like the SWAT team it was really fun to watch. Who's the girl who was singing? Like, was it Ring Around the Rosie? Is that the Nightmare on Elm Street? That's girl? what I was thinking. That's what she sings in that. I just I can't remember if it was Ring Around the Rosie yeah. or not. I caught a cool reference to Shaun of the Dead. There's this uh, character. Um, he he's like a black dude who's like kind of like cynical to the whole thing and refuses to bet. But anyway, the way he ends up going out at the end is uh, these zombies like grab him and they're like pulling out his intestines. And it really reminded me of that scene of like right outside the diner where Sean's like friend Tom or something. Not friend. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yo, well, that dude was a jerk. Former friend. Something like that. No, he was uh, he was a, a jerk to Sean the whole time, and then he like goes out like a baller. Yeah, they're like, yeah, the, <laughs> the zombies are pulling him through the window and like tearing out his intestines yeah, and not actually likes, killing him. Yeah, but Truman, who's the character in this movie, like is like hell no to that, and like just yeah, detonates yeah. a grenade. <laughs> yeah, they're the uh, dismemberment goblins. Ah, 
What? There you go. Did you just you Wikipedia that or what? <laughs> no, it's on the it's on the betting board. <laughs> Dismemberment goblins. Well, after that bloodbath is over, we do get one of one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is you have this uh, overhead shot and you see that the pattern on the floor is the same that the necklaces as the guys in the control room were wearing when they did their prayers. And then Sigourney Weaver pops up out of nowhere uh, and tells them that uh, Marty must die. And it's sort of like this triple ex machina here in the last fight scene where a werewolf pops up behind <laughs> Dana. Dana had popped up behind Morty, Marty. And then uh, finally the one arm girl pops up behind uh, uh, Marty. Sigourney. Sigourney, yeah. And then kills her. Any, any any notes from this final little battle here where it ends? Yeah. So I wasn't missing some. There were no breadcrumbs left for Sigourney Weaver to pop up. Not at all. Right. And actually, yeah, if you look on the IMDb, she's the last listed of the actors. So it's supposed to be a surprise. You have to actually click the button, see more cast. <laughs> I, I Yeah. I read it was supposed to be Jamie Lee Curtis, but uh, I think Sigourney's way better and as that picture you guys put on Twitter, she's a babe. So another tie into Ghostbusters, uh, Mikey. What do you think of the like the last fight scene here, and then like what the I guess implications of it are? If you want to touch on that, I had totally forgot that Sigourney Weaver was in this movie playing a quote unquote the director, as the credits would tell you. Um, so that caught me off guard, but uh, it here we kind of find out there's all of these stone tablets around the, the room that describe all of the different character tropes. And, uh, once they're filled with blood, then the sacrifice has been made and the world won't end. And, uh, so they're kind of just like in the standoff to kill the stoner guy because he's the last one that needs to die for the world not to end. But, uh, it's kind of a big scene of exposition, which was thought was well done. Yeah, I wish we could have seen like the actual old gods or whatever the ancient ones that they were calling instead them. of just a hand. Yeah, but I think the I mean, most interesting thing for me here is like Mikey, who who are you rooting for when? That's that's a good question. It's kind of going back and forth, like who's getting the upper hand. I guess. The stoner guy, because uh, Dana kind of, in a split-second decision, kind of uh, turns on him. But she's also, if she turns on him, she saves the world. So it's, you're kind of in a roundabout circle rooting for, yeah, he turned it doesn't on, matter who you're rooting for. Sorry, sorry, Mike. He turned on her, too, and I, that led to one of my favorite lines at the end. She's like, I'm really sorry I almost shot you, and... And then he's like, hey, I'm really sorry I let that werewolf attack you or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I for know, the it's viewer... Kind of, it's kind of hard to root for someone. For the viewer, you have to, I think, root for stoner guy because the old guys are the ancients. Like, Do we really have a huge reason to believe they exist or are serious? I mean, it's revealed at the end that, like, yes. oh, they're no. coming. But I thought like during it, like, maybe these people just have the wrong idea about it and it won't be that big of a deal. 
uh, I was kind of rooting for her. I, like he was my favorite character, um, the fool. But I, for a split second, I admit that I kind of hope that she shot him. I thought that she was going to shoot him for a split second, but Pappy, what, Pappy, what you got here, man? I mean, for personal sentimental self-identification reasons of course identify with marty uh the virgin oh <laughs> <laughs> yes Hey-o. nice mikey <laughs> spitting spitting fire mikey just clapped back on you pat what you got <laughs> it's lit, it's lit. <laughs> but i i thought the first time i saw this movie the ending was just so shocking i loved it and it actually kind of reminds me a lot of uh troll hunter josh because it kind of like blows its cgi load at the end implying there's this like giant monster is like coming you know what i mean god yeah i mean i'm always a fan of a big monster load at the end and like big monster coming of course <laughs> i think <laughs> i'm sorry i'm still laughing about that clap back yeah that was that was money from That's- like Savage, <laughs> it, Pappy. I think this is another movie that outdid Phantom Menace and CGI. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's fair to yeah. say. But any other final thoughts on the cabin in the woods before we get any yes or no's? Any other topics? I had a question for Stevie. Go ahead, Josh. What's that? Who's the Christ-like character from this film? Um, St- stoner, right? It's a reverse Christ. Uh, yeah, probably Chris Hemsworth. Pappy, because he died for everybody. <laughs> he died for everybody in a very epic way that everyone. But remembers. the stoner, the, stoner. the Antichrist, he literally doesn't die, so everyone he doesn't has die to. in the world. Yeah. Ends. but he's a revolutionary, and he dies and comes back. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, that's a good point. Even even if the stoner died this time, I, I mean, I don't know what the timeline is for the next sacrifice or whatever, but everybody's going to die the next time because this whole base is destroyed. Everything's gone haywire. There's no more means of operation there. Yeah. Well, the world's <laughs> coming to a close, right? But, I mean, Josh, the stoner didn't die for everyone at the end, he refused to die for everyone. That's a good point. He unchristened. Yes, he had it for a while, and then he gave it back up. So yeah, he yeah. So this great. is really like through his cru- through his crucifix through his crucifixion away. Great. He flipped that hammer around and undid all those nails in his he hands. His this is a pretty religious <laughs> movie. I didn't realize that. Happy. Great point, Josh. Uh, Brett, <laughs> did you have any I, final thoughts? I do. I have. I, it's going to sound crazy, but I have three really quick things. Okay. One is if... Go ahead. Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if, like, rapid fire, is anyone, did anyone think in their head what they thought would be the worst thing to get? The worst thing to pick out of everything you saw? Is there, like, something that's popping in your head? Apparently, it's the merman. Werewolf. Merman. Squirts your blood <laughs> out of its gills. <laughs> out of its blow okay. blowhole. Yeah. Okay. Mine was a spider, obviously. But um, secondly, is I feel like 
I don't get how this movie is not held in higher regard because it's like a great slasher movie and it's really unique. But I guess I'll get into that later. Uh, well, Pappy well, mentioned well, the that, no, yeah. I think this 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 movie is very interesting because it's one of the first examples of what we've seen a lot, especially this year, is like movies that are sold as a horror movie but aren't really and people get pissed like oh really it comes at night yeah like people if you look at like if you look at i think this is like a seven get out db yeah it was like a seven yeah and like a 70 on metacritic yeah it's like it's a very like there's a very like different score between like like film critics and like the general audiences because like i think people got sold a traditional horror movie and like some people will just check out like you know 30 minutes in if they're not getting what they paid for but what is it uh what is it classified on imdb horror slash just horror something weird just horror. it's definitely a comedy movie like it is uh, i would say it's more comedy mm-hmm. than any other genre but it's smart comedy too. it's it's ho- <laughs> it's it's horror on imdb that's what it's classified as how does this compare to get out for you guys because i did not see that movie last year but i know you guys loved it and it seems like that was either. also kind of a something along this vein, right? Uh, I thought Get Out was scarier. Get Out plays more on like social issues. Yeah, social well. issues. Yeah, and this is more of like a, a comment, commentary. commentary on movies. Yeah, is the, Get the, Out the, is the Get the Out meta? element. No, need, the thriller element of Get Out. I need to is know from Mikey. That. Mikey, oh, what, what did you say? I want to know from Mikey if Get Out is no. meta. No, Get Out's not meta. Just curious. I haven't seen it. Any other know. final thoughts? You should. You no, should. I, I, Brett, no, I'll, skip, I'll <laughs> skip over my last thing. I said I, I would have liked to have seen how all the other countries failed like real quick because I thought that was a really well, cool thing. One's but. King Kong, one's The Thing, <laughs> I think. Uh, I don't know if there are any other ones in there. I didn't know that. Oh, is that what that was? The Sweden one. Out the Sweden the one was definitely the thing. Oh, like the helicopter flying over. Well, that's nice. awesome! What a great reference. Oh, yeah. I never picked For up sure. on that. Yeah. There was one in Spain where I just saw a house on fire. It like exploded or something, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe no this idea. is a better Instagram gif, or maybe we can do both. Like <laughs> that scene where the elevators open, and maybe the scene with all the TVs, and, and the scene with the the bags. Okay, three from this movie. Okay. <laughs> And maybe okay, maybe the mermaid mermaid. Kill. I will do four. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, four for this movie. I'm ready. You were gonna you were gonna do a lot of Ghostbusters ones too, but I haven't seen those. Well, is Ghostbusters we, out yet, Brett? At this time that we're recording, this is live. I don't know. I don't know. Happy, <laughs> okay. nah, I'm done. My, I'm done with that. So. Well, that was well done, Brett. Well, let's get into yes or no. Let's go for it. Pivot. To me, yes, Brett. Oh my! This was a definite yes. I, I thought it was awesome. I, I admitted I'm a big Joss Whedon fan from way back in the day. This was a hard, hard, hard yes for me. Well, you and mentioned my wife. That? My wife liked it too. Well, tell her we all say hi, uh, Mikey. They say hi. <laughs> Mikey, your your name dropped in that. What do you What do you give this movie? And feel free uh, to clap back I'm- at Josh while you have the opportunity. <laughs> No, that rivalry's over. <laughs> rivalry's I've been big, clapped. It's very uh, big of you. That's very am, big of you. I'm Unlike currently clapped. On the pod. Go ahead, can, Mikey. <laughs> what? 
this is a yes for me. Uh, I think this is one of those movies where you kind of don't appreciate it as much the second time around you watch it. It's one of those movies where it'll catch you off guard the first time. And I think that's kind of where the the magic of it happens. Uh, but it's fun to see how you could throw this exact same plot into any other horror movie and all of these characters make the same mistakes and just kind of like overlay that on top of this and see where how how they're logically thinking and how like oh everybody's an idiot in all of these horror movies because someone behind the scenes is tossing in mist that changes their think their way of thinking and their thought processes and because horror movies logically should not ever happen because everybody is just an idiot in those and this movie kind of takes that logic and applies it to this movie so I don't know. It's it's definitely one of the weirder movies I think uh, we've done in a while, and I can see why people would hate it uh, if they went to the movie theater expecting a horror movie because it's not exactly what I would call a horror movie. But I give it a yes. Yeah, I think you touched some great stuff there. If your expectations aren't right, you have a really bad time in this movie. Um, I'm gonna give it a yes as well. Uh, I love when graphic horror and like funny jokes can intersect this is like definitely one of those lines um one of my favorite horror movies of that year and i think even since this came out like horror movies have gotten a lot better i'm not saying it's because of this movie but it probably didn't hurt so yes for me uh josh what did you think yeah despite going into this movie having been clapped backed uh, I really found myself enjoying it. Honestly, I really did because the writing was really good despite everything you guys said like about how it is meta and maybe like it isn't creepy enough for the marketing at the time. Like if I would have gotten roped in to going to this movie with my friends and this was the movie that I saw, I would have been pumped. I, I really think that on IMDb, I'm looking at it. It just says The Cabin in the Woods 2012 Horror. I think that's pretty much a crime. Like, it doesn't seem like IMDb watched this movie before claiming it as just a straight horror. Um, it's a yes. Very well done movie. Enjoyed it. Um, definitely under the radar classic. Glad we Glad we spoiled it. Good pick. And Stevie, will you make this movie preserved? Oh, of course. I absolutely love this movie. I I agree with along what Mikey said about like how when you watch like horror movies you can't you don't understand how people can be so dumb or how the tropes are always the same and it's just hilarious to think about that there's these guys in a control room that are controlling everything. Um I think this movie is incredibly original. It's um a fun take on the I wouldn't say teen slasher, but something along those lines is stranded in the woods with monsters around. And um, I think this movie is just overall hilarious. Uh, so definitely, yes. Well, there you have it. Five yeses. This movie is preserved. So now we'll get into the what food? Portion. What food is it? Sushi? I don't know. Nice. Stevie, do you like it more than Jeepers Creepers? Ooh. That's... Uh, come on, Stevie. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. 
Yeah, I do, <laughs> but um, I still Jeepers Creepers is one of like the original movies that freaked the hell out of me. So definitely not going to knock up the alley cabin in the woods more. Sweet. Well, there you have it. So if this is your first episode of Spoilers, the reason we're talking about Cabin in the Woods today is because I won trivia on the Beetlejuice episode. Um, so the winner of today's trivia question, we'll get to pick our next episode. Uh, the movie we spoil next, and uh doesn't have to be a spooky spoiler, but in honor of Sigourney Weaver, who uh, who was a nice... Double, who got a double dip here in a Spooky Spoilers 2017 and is now the most prolific actor or actress in the history of the podcast. Woo! We're going to play... <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Spooky <laughs> 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 butthole. <laughs> going to play... Ooh, wee, Rick. Ooh, Sigo- All right, play, play <laughs> sort this shit out. Uh, we're going to go back to the number of IMDb ratings for performances she was in. Oh, boy. So, uh, some of these we spoiled, some of these we will spoil, some of these eh, we may never spoil. But uh, for the audience at home, I, I, th- I think I sent it to you guys on Skype and Hangouts. Uh, but yep. we're going to sort The Cabin in the Woods. Alien, Annie Hall, Wally, The Village, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Cubed, in parentheses, Ghostbusters, and Finding Dory. So now we're, we're sorting those films in the order of the least amount of IMDb reviews to the most amount of IMDb reviews. Not the score they've gotten, but the sheer quantity of reviews. The order will be Mikey. Is most recent for Beetlejuice, Brett for Ghostbusters, Stevie for Desperado, Josh for Troll Hunter, bringing up the rear. So, so least first, Mikey. Out of those films, which has the least amount of IMDb reviews, this doesn't take longer than Desperado. Let's go quick. Uh, I guess Annie Hall. Nope. Brett. Uh, Alien. Nope. Stevie. Alien nope, 3. Josh. Ugh. Finding Dory. There we go. Finding Dory has the least amount of reviews. Josh, number two. The Cabin oh, in the Woods? Uh, no, we go back to Mikey. Uh, Finding Dory. Aliens. No. Uh, Finding Dory. The Village. Correct, Brett. Uh, Brett, next. Finding Dory. Village. Alien 3. Incorrect, Stevie. <sighs> Finding Dory. Tay Village. Mm-hmm. Um, Any Hall. Correct. Uh, I'll say Finding Dory, the Village, Any Hall. Um, let's hit up uh, Alien 3. There she is. Stevie's in a little roll. See, I hate doing this because it just—I always like get, like leave way for everybody else. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Finding Dory, the Village, Annie Hall, Alien Three. Um, let's hit it with uh, the Cabin in the Woods. Incorrect, Josh. Got Finding four movies in. Finding Dory, the Village, Annie Hall, Alien Three, Wally. Incorrect. Back oh to God. Mikey. Four movies <laughs> in. 
Uh, Dory Village. Uh, <laughs> Alien Three. Nah. Oh, that's uh, wrong! How did you miss that's that? That's wrong. wrong. Oh, Back to Brett. Come on, Mikey, get your notes together. Finding Dory Village, Annie Hall, Alien Three, Aliens. Incorrect. Dang. Back to Stevie. Dory Village, Annie Hall, Alien Three, Alien. Incorrect. Josh. Finding Dory, The yes. Village, Annie yes. Hall, yes. Aliens 3. Yes. It doesn't make any sense, and I don't even want to say it, but Ghostbusters? Correct. What? Unbelievably. Yes. So we have Finding Dory, The Village, Annie Hall, Alien 3, Ghostbusters. Josh, what's the next lowest or re- er, least reviewed of the Cabin in the film? Woods. Correct. So now we're sitting at the uh, 300,000-ish mark. Josh, what's the next lowest? Wally. Incorrect. Back to Mikey. Mikey. Can he... Are you guys writing these down? Yeah. I, I've not been writing them down. Uh, Dory, Annie Hall, My- and Steve. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're good. Yeah, sure. He's out. Yeah, pass. All right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Finding Dory, The Village, Annie Hall, Alien 3, Ghostbusters, Cabin in the Woods, Finding Dory. Dang it! That's the first one. <laughs> Maybe it was the misinformation that Money Mike was running <laughs> in his big oh, news campaign, but it clearly got in Brett's oh, head. Stevie, can you help us? <laughs> oh, man, I blew it. Oh, my God. People are Steve, scrambling. Is there only two left? There are three films left. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I believe that. Aliens, so. alien. Well, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Finding Dory, The Village. Gosh dang it. Annie Hall, Alien yes. 3, Ghostbusters, yes. Cabin yes. in the Woods. Yes. Um, Which ones are left? I can't Alien, tell you Aliens, and Wally. Correct. Finding Dory's, Finding Dory's left? No, it's not. Um, no, it's I'll not. I'll hit it with Brett. Alien. That is incorrect. Josh. Oh, I know the next one for sure. So it's Finding Dory, The Village, Annie Hall, Alien 3, Ghostbusters, The Cabin in the Woods, Aliens. So what this means, ladies and gentlemen, and this is a complete wild card because if Josh Josh gets... The correct answer between what has more reviews, Alien or Wally, he'll get to be the next host. If not, Mikey will have to name these in order, which is <laughs> clearly a crapshoot. And then it would go to Brett after that. So this is a hugely, hugely decisive. Hey, I, I'm playing the game as if we couldn't write anything down. I just feel like it's cheating to okay, write it down. So this I'm going to say that it's a monument. Sorry, this is a monumental pick, Josh, okay, which yeah, has yeah. less reviews on IMDb. Is it Alien or Wally? I feel like by the time IMDb came out, Aliens and Alien were already like past their prime. And I think a lot of adults are probably going to want to like review this and talk about how like appropriate it is or not for kids. People loved Wally. I'm gonna have to go with Alien has less reviews than Wally. Which leaves which is the final film 
our next host of spoilers. Wally. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A quick recap: <laughs> Finding Dormy, Finding Dormy. <laughs> wow. Fighting Dormy has around 170,000 views. The Village around two, 200,000. Annie Hall, 200,000. Alien 3, two and a quarter. Ghostbusters closer to 300,000. Cabin in the Woods, 303,000. Aliens, we get to the half a million mark. Alien at 600,000. And lastly, Wally at 800,000. Um, of course, her top reviewed movie is Avatar. At nearly 900,000 reviews, one Oof. of the most reviewed movies, of Ugh. course, in IMDb history. Josh, hopefully that was enough time. Do you have a pick for us? I do, but can we throw it to Spoiler Man first? You're the host, buddy. I have a thirst. Spoiler Man, take these credits away. Avatar is such a shit movie. I love this movie. <laughs> Did you see Seriously, it? Seriously, one of Whoa. the worst cookie cutter movies you're ever going to see. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Thanks, Spoiler Man. Um, So, these are kind of like dark days we're living in where I feel like society's just barely moving on. I feel like another shitty college movie is coming. This movie's going to suck. This movie's going to suck so badly. (laughs) I think you guys are are going on the wrong path here. I mean, I I think we need another week of spooky spoilers. And I'm going to choose Pan's Labyrinth. And hopefully scare <gasps> scare a couple people. Has anybody seen it? Yeah, me too. I I've think never, you might. Still- I've never I seen haven't. it. I, oh, it's I've never seen it. it. Do I? <laughs> Subtitles. Right? Subs over yeah. dubs. Donald Trump is not a fan. <laughs> Why is that? Well, there you have it. A Mexican directed it. We're cutting uh, it off there, and that was. <laughs> President what? hates Mexicans, Josh. You should know this. One last note, Brett Kelly. Are you Jim McMaster's? I don't know what that means, but yes. That was close. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. Mystery solved. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme. Please don't forget to leave us a review and leave us some stars and some words. Subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. The song you're hearing now is provided by Wolftron. Look for her on SoundCloud. That was spoilers. What? Hello? You guys ready? Hello. Yep. Yeah. All right, Keith. Mikey, count us down. All right.
Three, two, one, go. Yeah.